Burning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson Section 5 Liability 5.1 Doctored Little Emma lay curled in a ball, dwarfed in an adult-sized hospital bed. Tubes and wires sprouted from her like a tiny Borg. Star Trek First Contact, 1996. Shane and Liz sat next to her, wearing masks and surgical gloves, and watching the monitors spasm up and down. How is she? Andy slipped on gloves. Liz sat as still as a mannequin. She didn't even seem to be breathing. A trail of mascara stained her cheek. Shane pulled down his mask. Not good. They're running tests, but... Just then, Emma's doctor entered. Both parents stood. What did you find, doctor? Shane asked. Not what I wanted, I'm afraid. Shane thrust his hands in his pockets. Meaning what, exactly? The doctor pushed up his glasses. The strain is mutating with nearly every patient. It's actually adapting to their DNA as it grows. So the treatment options are limited. I'd like your permission to send her fluid samples with the others to the CDC. Fine, fine, Shane said. Whatever you need to do, do it. Liz muttered, How long before you could have a cure? Well, that's the problem. With new diseases, there's a trial and error process to test possible vaccines. And because this one is changing so rapidly, it could take weeks, months, or... He chose the next word carefully. Longer. Liz whispered and crossed herself. Or Emma's immune system and the antibiotics may take care of it on their own. We just don't know enough yet. The doctor touched Shane's shoulder. I'm sorry. I wish I had better news. I really do. We know, he said. Thanks, Doc. The doctor held out a release form. Shane hesitated, glanced at Liz, then at the floor. Something wrong? The doctor asked. Here, I'll sign it. Liz scrawled her name on the form. Good. We'll get to work. The doctor peeled off his gloves and mask and dropped them in the waste bin on his way out. Once the doctor was gone, Shane looked at Liz and shrugged. I didn't know which name to sign now that I'm me again. This is my fault, Liz said. I didn't bring her in when I should have. She crossed herself again and whispered, Father, forgive me. Please don't take out my mistakes on my sweet little Emma. Andy twisted her lips and shoved her hands in her pockets. 
Do you really think praying to some imaginary nobody will help? Andy, stop, Shane said. Cut your mother some slack. He's not imaginary to her. Andy looked at her father with wide eyes, then turned and ran out the door. Doctor, she shouted a bit too loudly down the hall. Six nurses looked up from their stations. The doctor turned. Yes, he said. Doctor, can I ask you a question? Okay, he checked his watch. If someone has a fever and is seeing or hearing things, is that normal? Is your sister hallucinating? No, she said. It's a... a friend. Can fever cause delusions? Sometimes, yes. Especially if they're severely dehydrated, sleep-deprived, or their brain isn't getting oxygen properly. But if they're that sick, they need to be admitted. What about medication? What kind of pills can cause, you know, delusions? The benzodiazepines, the opiate family, and, of course, hallucinogenic narcotics. Andy swallowed hard. Then she asked the question that had been knocking at the back of her mind. What about other sicknesses, like mental problems? You mean schizophrenia? She inhaled and nodded. Well, there's a battery of tests a psychiatrist could easily diagnose. He stepped toward Andy and touched her shoulder. Are you seeing things? At that moment, Jenna passed by and shot Andy a quizzical look. Andy shook her head. No, just curious. She pushed up her glasses. The doctor stepped closer. Delusions can also come from lack of sleep and stress. Are you sure you're all right? She folded her arms. Yes, I'm fine. I'm just worried about my friend and my sister. Well, speak up if you're not feeling well, he squinted, and tell your friend to get checked. I'm sorry. I'm late for a consult. The doctor turned and hurried down the hall. Andy? Shane stood outside Emma's door, hands out. What are you doing? Just asking the doc a question. About Emma? No, it was about a medical problem my... She hated lying to her father. My uh, friend has... Well, don't bug him, okay? He's busy. She walked to Shane. He pulled her close and kissed the top of her head through his face mask. Without letting her know... He felt her forehead at the same time. She was just the right temperature. He held her closer. Dad? She whispered. Sunny girl? There's something I need help with. But you have to promise you won't tell Mom or anyone. I'm happy to help. Happy to help. We just need to get Emma well and then we can tackle any problem together. Shane let go of Andy and went back to hold Emma's too hot hand. Andy just stood in the doorway, watching Liz stroke Emma's hair while Jenna read The Three Little Pigs. 
Emma was so tiny in the big bed, so helpless. When Jenna got to, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down, eyes still closed, Emma blew out a weak puff of air. Tears ebbed onto Jenna's cheeks. Good wolf, Em. Blow it down. A nurse came in with a new IV bag. Okay, time to let her sleep, family. Only mom allowed until morning. Shane, Andy, and Jenna kissed Emma goodbye through their masks, then closed the door. Five point two. Dispatch. The evening Santa Fe air was unusually cool for late August. Shane, Luke, and Steph opened all the windows in the mobile home to let the breeze in, air out the scent of Purell that clung to them. It was the time of day when the sun turned sideways, changing the bland beige hills and adobe walls to vivid pinks, purples, and corals, awakening the land of enchantment. Andy stood in her room, gazing at the painted sky, then strained to see Arius's house. It was too far away and too hidden. She chewed her thumbnail until it hurt. Then she remembered something and dove for a box under her bed. Tossing the lid off, she rifled through papers until she found a copy of the NDA she'd signed on her first day at Whispering Mountain. This non-disclosure agreement, the agreement, is entered into by and between the party, Andy Scoggin, and the company, Awan Holdings. She devoured the words, searching for anything about life-or-death situations, safety, etc., anything that could help her help Arius. And so, under penalty of law, the party in question may not, under any circumstances, reveal any information, including, but not exclusive to, Mr. Adams's person, holdings, business dealings, guests, friends, family, artifacts, travels, schedule, other employees, comments, health, finances, or assets. Damn. Throwing the contract on her bed, she grabbed her walkie phone. She arrowed down to Chen's name and hesitated. No, he's too scared of making Arius angry. He'd rather let him die than lose his job. Then, Andy breathed deep twice, held her breath, and dialed a different number. A nasal voice answered, 911, what's your emergency? The distant cry of sirens climbing the hill to Las Campanas had never in Andy's entire life sounded so sweet. Even the jackals raised their heads and howled in harmony. She leaned against her bedroom wall, not caring that she would have hell to pay in the morning. Then she snuck into Emma's room, pulled her toy pig Willer from the crib, and held him. The screen door slammed once, twice, 
five times in total. Shane's friends tumbled into the kitchen, and the clink of beers migrating from the fridge followed. And then he just handed me the card, Shane said, like it was something I'd dropped on the sidewalk. Who did it? asked Anna. Who got you the card? Maybe it was St. Jude, Tina said. The patron saint of lost causes finally paid up with a real miracle. Dante's tipsy voice sang off-key. Shut up, Dante, everyone shouted. Dante slapped the table and let out a hearty, bill-lubed laugh. That's sacrilege, Sal said, crucifying the Beatles like that. So, how goes the ID card fight? Shane asked, his voice thin and weary. Has everyone registered? We registered, Sal croaked. We didn't see any other option. What'd they make you do? Dante asked. Fill out some forms and get fingerprinted. Anna pulled out folded lemon-yellow papers. I've been carrying the forms around in my purse for weeks. Does anyone know why they're yellow? Because they're pissing on us. That's why, Dante grumbled. They made them the color of peace. I'm still not sure what to do, Anna's voice wavered. When my hairdresser registered, they took her husband. Everyone went quiet at her news, leaving just the sound of bottle caps plinking the floor like spent bullets. Shane cleared his throat. Would anyone like cake? He pulled a royal blue dessert from the cupboard. Sorry about the cookie monster, he said. Jenna bought it to cheer up Emma, but then she... The sentence caught in his throat. Dante gently said, I do. Amo a cookie monster. His words were thick with compassion. Me too, Anna squeaked. Requests peppered the air. Hey, did you hear the news? Sal asked through a mouthful of frosting. They solved the fungus mystery. Really? Anna said. What was it? Tina answered. It was some ancient spore hibernating in the soil. It's usually too dry here for it to grow, but all the extra rain this year woke it up, like some sleeping disease. They have a cure yet? Shane asked weakly. Not yet. Hopefully by fiesta. But too late for the chili crop, right? Anna said. There goes my poblano jelly for Christmas, Mart. There'll be plenty of paper sorrow for the sosobra this year, Dante said. Amen to that, Sal rasped. Long live la fiesta. Que viva! Que viva! Everyone chanted reverently, then clinked their bottles together in a ritual of glass hope. The screen door whined as it yawned open, interrupting their toast. Mama? 
Marie Ruiz stood in the doorway. Miha, Tina's voice strained. What are you doing here? Mama, you need to come home, she said. The police are there. They said they're going to take Joey. Chairs screeched and urgent goodbyes were said. Then one, two, three times, the screen door banged, echoing across Agua Fria. Five point three. Carved. The next day, Andy hurried to the hospital where she interrogated the middle-aged woman wearing a yellow eyelet shirt and zozobra earrings at the information desk. Did anyone named Adams come in last night? No. Anyone whose name starts with the letter A at all? Just one, she said. Where? What floor? Abramowitz maternity. Andy sank into a seat in the waiting area. Then she called every hospital or clinic within a 100-mile radius of Santa Fe. There was a Jennifer Adams in Los Alamos with heart trouble, but no areas. After a full hour of calling, she resorted to calling Chen. Where is he? she demanded without saying hello. Where did the ambulance take him? Hello, Andy. He's here, at home. She sighed with relief. So the hospital released him? Does he just have the flu? No, he never went to the hospital. What? She stood and started pacing. We turned them away. What? she shouted. Several people stared at her, including a heavily starched cop. She lowered her voice. Chen, what is wrong with you? Are you so afraid of losing your stupid job that you'd actually let him die? Chen went quiet for a few moments. Then he said, Andy, you shouldn't have called 911. He's not happy with you. He won't stay mad. I was just trying to save him. You don't know him as well as you think you do. He's sick. He needs help, and you won't help him. What else is there to know? I can't help him. Andy pressed her forehead against the hospital wall. All this time, I thought he was your friend. And I thought you were a decent person, she whispered. You're not listening. He won't accept my help. Only yours, Chen said slowly, like a parent explaining a rule to a child for the third time. I'm calling another ambulance then. He'll just turn it away. You'll waste their time. His voice was infuriatingly calm. Andy groaned and hung up. After marching to the elevator, she pushed the button for the infectious disease floor. Emma was better and worse. She was awake and talking, but the rash had spread down her back. Andy tried singing to her, but Emma pushed her away and said, Stop! No! Finally, Andy yelled, What is your issue, Em? I'm just trying to soothe you! 
Emma started wailing. I can't do anything right. I can't help anyone. Andy rubbed her forehead, realizing too late she was contaminating her gloves. Shane said, Relax. She's exhausted. Just let her sleep. Fine. Andy peeled off her gloves and mask and dropped them in the hazardous waste bin, then turned and mumbled, Sorry, and left. When Chris opened the front door and saw what was standing there, he looked stunned. Andy hadn't combed her hair in days or showered, and her eyes were puffy and pink. Whoa, Andy, he said. What's wrong? Is your mom home? Andy asked soberly. Why? He said. Because I need to talk to you. Alone. Alone. 